Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. If you would say this with me today, I receive the Word of God to profit me and reproof me, convict me and instruct me to righteousness that I may become perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So Jesus asked his disciples when he came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi here in Matthew chapter 16, starting with verse 13. When they came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And so they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. You know, and if you talk to people who love God, especially the Jewish people, if you ask them who Jesus was, they'll tell you he was a prophet. And he was a prophet, but he was more than a prophet. And people are still saying that about him today. But then he asked him this question, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjoni. Called him by his birth name, didn't he? Blessed are you, Simon, Bar- Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. You know, what an endorsement. You know, God's saying, hey, Peter, you know what? I'm empowering you. That's what the Lord's saying. I'm empowering you because of this revelation. You got this revelation of who Jesus is. He is not just a prophet, but he is the Son of God. And as a result of that, I'm changing your name and I'm empowering you because revelation knowledge, this is what he said, my Father in heaven has revealed to you, revealed this to you. Revelation knowledge of who you are in Christ, who Christ is in you, will always empower you to do greater things. And so this is an example. God empowered Peter. And he said, now I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound on uh, bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven, which really means is that now that I'm empowering you, I'm empowering you to be in representation here on earth so that when you bind and loose things, heaven will back you. You say, well, is that really possible? Well, how did Jesus teach us to pray? He taught us to pray to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why did he teach us to pray that way if he didn't expect to answer that prayer? He wants us to experience heaven on earth. He wants to walk us in this place. The Word of God tells us we are seated with Him in heavenly places. If we can really wrap our heads around who we are in Christ, then we'll realize there's no foe that can stand against us. There's no plan of the enemy that can stop us. And I like to say it like this. There's no man, and there's no devil, and there's no government that can stop God's plan for your life. You know, God's not up there sweating it, saying, you know, uh, he's not slapping himself on the forehead and saying, oh, myself. You know, we say, oh, my God. He's not saying, oh, myself, you know. What are we going to do, you know? He's not, he's not upset. He's got, he's got this thing all figured out. It's all wrapped up, and, and, and we're going to see the glory of God manifest. So Jesus empowered, the church, empowered Peter, and Jesus also empowered the church, my church. When the church gets hold of this revelation knowledge, they're going to walk with him. And so when we get that revelation and knowledge of who we are, we're also going to get that revelation knowledge of the favor of God on our life. 
You know, favor and grace, they are parallel, okay? Grace is God's ability working on your behalf. That's really a good definition of favor. It's the unmerited, grace is the unmerited favor of God, excuse me. Grace is God's ability working on your behalf, and the real definition of grace is unmerited favor of God. And so what is unmerited? It's something you don't deserve. What is favor? Something you don't deserve. You know, you don't deserve it, but you know what? If it's there, I'm going to take advantage of it. Amen? You know, I mean, if somebody said, Pastor Tom, I've just opened up a bank account with your name and it. it's got millions and millions and millions of dollars in it. You know, well, I didn't deserve it, but you know what? I'm going to take advantage of it. Amen? Amen? I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to receive that. Glory to God. You know, they gave that to me. God gave me favor, and so I'm going to walk in it. And, and grace and favor. And the Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace or the throne. We could be, anywhere, anytime you see the word grace, you can begin to, begin to you know, uh, mentally uh, define that as that's the favor of God. Unmerited favor. God's ability working on our behalf. What is, really, what is a favor when you think about it? You know, someone says, you know, comes over and says, uh, can you do me a favor? You know, and uh, I ran out of sugar. Can you give me a cup of sugar? Well, you have the ability to go to the store and get a sugar, get a cup of sugar. You know, you have the ability. It's just inconvenient. But a real favor is doing something for somebody else they cannot do for themselves using your means, your substance, your ability to accomplish this. You know, the, uh, the good Samaritan, when he stopped and helped a wounded man on the road, he gave him a favor. That was a real favor. And so the favor of God or the grace of God is using his ability to help you accomplish something you can't accomplish yourself. That's why we're saved by grace through faith. We're saved by what? Grace. And wasn't that God's ability to do something for us that we can't accomplish ourselves? Absolutely, that's exactly what that is. And so that's the favor of God. And so it says, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may attain grace and mercy or favor and mercy in time of need. You know what, I'm always needing favor, and when I don't need favor, I'm going to let the favor increase my life and make a way for me. How about you? Come on, somebody help me with this message. And so Peter was empowered as a result of this revelation and more revelation of uh, uh, getting more revelation of who we are in Christ and the favor of God we have. We'll begin to walk in that particular favor. But one thing Peter didn't have, he did not have the revelation of the purpose of Jesus. Look at this. Then he commanded his disciples, verse 20, that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. And from that time, say that time, from that time Jesus began to show, to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised the third day. He began to show them this. He began to teach him this. This is what's going to happen. This is my purpose. Well, you got to understand, you know, Peter was empowered because he knew who Jesus was, but he wasn't empowered because he didn't know the purpose of Jesus. And so then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. And so what did Jesus say? He said, Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Now, you know, Jesus was not calling Peter Satan, okay? But it was the temptation. You know, the temptation of getting Jesus off track. Jesus had a divine appointment. Say divine appointment. 
Jesus had a divine appointment to go to the cross. That was his purpose. And Peter, because of love and compassion and not having the revelation, even though Jesus showed him, said right there, he showed him, that obviously tells me that he didn't have the revelation of his purpose because Jesus showed his disciples, you know, what he must suffer. And Peter, Peter decided, well, you know what, I'm not going to allow that to happen. No, Peter, you can't stop my divine appointment. And who is it that wants to stop your divine appointment more than Satan? And so Jesus addressed the spirit that was behind it. He said, get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense to me. For you are, mindful of, you are not mindful of the things of God, but of things of men. You want, you, Peter, you want me to hang out just the way it is, and you don't understand the purpose of God. And you need, to get the, you need to get a revelation of not only who I am, but you need to get a revelation of what my purpose is so that you can operate in the goodness of God and you can operate in the promise of God and you can operate in the authority of God. So Peter didn't have the revelation of Jesus' purpose, but he tried to commit or cause a disappointment. Let's look at that again. It was Jesus' divine appointment to go to the cross. He was explaining that to the disciples. Isn't that correct? Peter did not get that revelation. So as a result, because he was mindful of the things of men, he almost, or he tried to, he attempted to cause what? A disappointment. The appointment that God had for Jesus, Peter tried to stop that. So what is an appointment that doesn't come to pass? It's a disappointment, okay? And so Jesus said this. He said, this is how you handle disappointments. First of all, they come from the enemy. You know, how many of you know the Bible says all of God's promises are yes and amen? amen. Okay? And so when they don't come to pass, a lot of times we, we go, well, what, what's wrong, God? What, what's your problem, you know? I'll never forget one time, you know, uh, a few years ago, the word came back to us again in Isaiah 54, you know, about lengthening your, 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 your uh, cords and strengthening your states and enlarge the place of your habitation, you know. And, uh, I, and, and I was just like, you know, on the outside, I was just, you know, trying to live by faith as best I could. Yeah, I receive it. I receive it. Glory to God, I receive that word. But really, truly on the inside, I was saying, really, Lord? You know, another word, you know, and, uh, you know, we've been getting words, you know, and I hadn't seen some of them come to pass yet, and I thought, really, you know, and so finally one day, and shortly after that, just a couple days after that, I went to the Lord, I said, Lord, what is it about me that I can't receive this? What is it about me? You know, I know God's promises are yes and amen. God doesn't want to withhold any good thing from me. You know, so obvious it's not really God's fault. Don't blame God when you go through difficult times. You know, and God's the last person you need to get mad at. Amen. I'm mad at God. Oh, man. Lord, how's that going to work out when they get to heaven? What are you going to do? You're going to sit on the other side of the universe because you're mad at God? <laughs> you know, you're going to pout throughout eternity because you're mad at God? You know, that it, it, it just doesn't compute in my mind. But I knew something wasn't right in my own heart. 
And so I said, Lord, what is it? And he showed me in those scriptures, those ver four scriptures, he said, I was dealing with shame. And a lot of that shame was a result of a major disappointment. You know, I just felt like, you know, I, I must not be what God wants me to be. I must not have what it takes to do God's will or fulfill his assignment for my life. I was dealing with all those things internally. I know none of you have ever dealt with that because your minds are so renewed with the word of God. But I was dealing with that, you know, and the Lord spoke to me about shame, and I, and I took authority over shame. And, and um, one day I was just, uh, just you know, just, just there, to be honest with you. And the Lord visited me, and uh, the presence of God came in. I didn't have a, 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 vis, uh, a vision of him, but I knew the presence of God was there in the room with me. I mean, he just came right in. I mean, you know, before he ever said anything, I knew his presence was there. And he spoke this to me. He said, you know how many times, you, or he said, you know how you often say, and we've, we've said this many, many times, failure is not a person, failure is an event. Anybody ever hear me say that? I say that. I just want to remind you, failure is not a person. Failure is an event, you know, and God's a champion of making champions out of people who fail. He didn't make you a failure. He made you an overcomer. And I say that all the time. So here, I'm in the presence of God, and he speaks this to me. He says, you know how you often say failure is not a person, failure is an event? I go, yeah, I know. I say that all the time. He said, well, disappointment's not a person. Disappointment is an event. He said, how did my son handle it when he was first encountered a disappointment? And I tell you what, when you're in the presence of God, you know God and the Spirit and the Word are one. And, and, you, and all of a sudden, it's like, man, I mean, you're just a, you know, uh, 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 a walk, the walking word, the walking Bible. I mean, you know everything in the scriptures all of a sudden. Well, he is the word, and that's why. And this scripture just came so clear to me when Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, for you're an offense to me. And so that's what I said. I said, well, he said, get behind me, Satan, for you're an offense to me. And so, you know, he, the Lord continued to speak to me. He said, if you'll repent of calling people disappointments and you'll command that disappointment behind you, you'll, you, you'll get over this feeling of being a failure. You'll get over the shame. You'll get over the disappointments is really what he said. You'll get over it. And up to that particular time, you know, in my life, you know, it was, or, or during that, that time in my life, it was like, you know, it was hard to really grasp what God was trying to show me, you know, the vision of God and, 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 and take hold of that vision that he had for me, you know, but it was just like all of a sudden a cloud lifted, like fog lifted, you know, and, and that fog lifted, and it's like I could see clearly from that point on, and so after that visitation, I went into our den, and I told my wife, I said, God just visited me, and this is what he said, so we took hold of hands, and I repented for calling people disappointments, you know, how many of you have ever had someone disappoint you? You know, you want to label that person as a disappointment. But God spoke to me and said, don't label people disappointments. Because your appointment can come from God and only God. You know, he's the one that makes it happen. You know, and, you know, and uh, if, if somebody is ordained of God to be a blessing to you and they're not obedient, well, God will ordain somebody else. I don't care how God does it, you know, and we shouldn't try to limit the way God does things. God will get done what he said he's going to get done. And we got to get hold of that revelation of his purpose, not only who he is, but his purpose is going to be accomplished in our lives if we'll let him. 
you know, and so I went in and told my wife what God did, and we grabbed hands, and I repented for calling people disappointments, and I rose up, and I said, disappointments, you get behind us in the name of Jesus, and wow, it was gone, it was gone. Well, I realized, you know, that, that, that this disappointment, Jesus said, well, you're offense to me. And see, if you don't deal with the disappointment, you know, even though we've been taught in this house, you know, to overcome offenses, you know, it's a subtle way the enemy gets us to begin to take the offense. Jesus said offenses will come, blesses a man who takes no offense. And so the offenses will come, but you don't have to take them. But if, you've, if you're dwelling or you're holding on a disappointment and, and, and you've got a person in your life that's been a disappointment to you and you've labeled them like I did, then you really have taken an offense. And with that offense, you cannot receive all that God has for your life. And this is what God's trying to tell us today. He's, he's trying to tell us, listen, I want you to live an offense-free life, but the beginning of that is to tell this disappointment to get behind you and quit looking at people to fulfill my plans for your life, but look at him. You know, the Bible says man is the author and finisher of your faith. No, it doesn't say that. You are so good for those who are Bible scholars. It says God is the author and finisher of your faith. God didn't author your, a man didn't author your faith. God did. God started it, and God's able to finish it. In fact, it says in Philippians that God is well able to finish those things he started in you. Okay, and so if, there, if there's not a man in your life, a person in your life that, that's not going to be obedient to God, I don't care, God can just rain, you know, whatever he needs to rain down from heaven and, and fulfill his plans and purposes for your life. And I believe that with my whole heart. I was reminded of a story, it was years and years and years ago that I heard it, the first time I heard it, but I was reminded of a story about Jerry Savelle and something similar to this I felt like happened to me, not, not the same way, but something similar. But they were traveling, and uh, one of the tires went out, blew out, and so they changed it, and then another tire went out, and they didn't, have, you know, they didn't have what it took to change it. So this guy drove up and said, I just happened to have the right tire for you. And so they drove into this town uh, where there was a filling station, and so the filling station uh, put new tires on their vehicle and everything, you know, and, and uh, they were so thankful. They said, oh, no, 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 we want to bless you. We want to do this for you. And so anyway, uh, they thanked him, and they went on and did the ministry, and they came back a few weeks later and uh, drove into that filling station, and, I mean, it was growing up with weeds, and, and it was dark and hadn't been operated for years. So uh, they went across the street to the restaurant, and they said, uh, what happened to the owner of that filling station there, that gas station? They said, that thing hasn't been open in 12 years or something like that. But they had a need. And the favor of God brought in a supernatural, however, you know, tire changer, whatever you want to call them. God brought somebody or somehow a being and put new tires on their vehicle. Listen, if there's not a man around to do it, God will send an angel to do it. I believe that with my whole heart. I, I believe that with my whole heart. Why? Because God is God, and he has a purpose for your life. You know, and so, you know, you know if, if they would have dwelt on, you know, well, listen, our offerings weren't good enough to get new tires. It's up to, you know, why didn't the people respond to God? I'm so disappointed. You know, do you think that would have happened? I don't think it would have happened. 
That's why it's so important. We need to really check our hearts and just make sure that we haven't labeled somebody as a disappointment. You know, people will let us down. You know, Vicki and I do our very best to pastor the greatest church in America. And we're so thankful and we're so honored to be called your pastor. But you know, we're not perfect. Once in a while, I'll say something, you know, and I mean, it will light someone's fire and it will offend the same a person right next to them. I, I still scratch my head. How does that work? Boy, pastor, I really needed to hear that. But the person next to him comes and say, when you said that, it just offended the fire out of me. Well, I mean, how, how does that same saying help somebody else but offend somebody else, you know? But the whole thing is that God's going to get done what he wants done. You know, we can't be God to you. All we can do is do our best to represent God in your lives, and that's what we're trying to do. We're going to disappoint you. Your mate may disappoint you someday in life. I know that most of you are still on your honeymoon after 40 years, and that's wonderful. But, you know, Vicki and I haven't quite gotten there. I've disappointed her at least once since we've been married in 37 years. She's never disappointed me. But anyway, no, it happens. We get disappointed. But you know what? We can't stay there because if we do, the disappointment will turn into an offense, and the offense will stop the blessing and the favor of God from working in our lives. Are you receiving something today? So unaddressed disappointment hinders the favor of God from operating in our lives. Disappointments create offense. Disappointments are an event. They're not a person. Disappointment in people is trusting people and not trusting, trusting God. So, you know, one of the things that happened uh, not too long ago, I was, I was disappointed in, in a situation. It was something that went on in a ministry that has nothing to do with us, but I was disappointed, you know. And uh, I was just praying to God, and the Lord spoke this to me. He said, the most important thing for you is for you to do the right thing and don't worry about what other people do. That's the most important thing. And it dawned on me, the greatest hindrance in my life is when I've been disappointed in myself. And, you know, I have to overcome that too. I've made mistakes. I regret the mistakes I've made. You know, and some of the decisions I've made, you know, um, they were the best decision I could make, make ba based on the information I made. But, you know, when I look back at it, I think, man, that was a bad decision. Well, I did the best I could. You know, isn't that what we should expect from one another? Doesn't love see the best or believe that at least that person's doing the best they can and not look at them to, you know, meet our needs, but look to God to meet our needs? And when I say meet our needs, I'm not talking about financially. A lot of times, we are expecting people to meet our emotional needs, and they don't have the capability of doing it, but God does. I mean, we got a God who loves us like no one, you know, can ever imagine. I mean, he pours his love out on us. I, I mean, you know, I love the Word of God, but I love the presence of God. I'm telling you, the presence of God's in our house. The presence of God's in this church. The presence of God is everywhere I go. You know, and I just love that presence. I mean, he just reminded me he's always validating me all the time. And I love that. But you know what? People can't always validate you. But I want to challenge you as we go into this holiday season, you know, make it a point to validate others. You know who the most important person should be in your life? It should be the person you're talking to at that time. You should make them feel like they're, they're, they're everything. Make them feel like they're a million dollars, that, you know, that, that, that they're the most important person in the whole world. You know, because, you know, during this time of season, you know, you're going to have people that are not as kind to the people who run the cash registers and, and who operate in the stores and things like that. And they're going to have difficult people to deal with. But, you know, I've made it a choice to be the kindest person 
that they run across that make their day. That's what I want to do. But I'm not always going to do it. You know, I understand that. I can't always change what happened in the past to that particular person, but at least I can show them a little kindness. You know, and then I'm not disappointed in myself. And I found out that when I began to really apply what the Lord said to me, don't worry about what other people do. The most important thing is you do the right thing. You know, there's been less disappointments in my life because I know I'm doing the right thing. That's what's more important than anything else. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. What's important to me is I do the right thing regardless of what other people say or do or even if they say ugly things about me. And who in the world in the right mind would ever say something ugly about me? They don't have a good revelation, do they? But anyway, moving on. And so God spoke to me. It doesn't matter what others do. What matters is what you do. Choose to do right. You do the right thing regardless of what others do. Go with me to Luke 17, and I'll try to do my best to wind this up. God gave me a word for the church today, and I want to give that too. So Luke 17, starting with verse 1. Jesus said, it's impossible that no offenses should come. Well, if Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, for you're an offense to me because of an attempt to disappoint, cause a disappointment, isn't it reasonable to say it's impossible that disappointments won't come? I mean, it's probably going to happen. You know, I hate to say it, but somebody might be disappointed before the day's over. (laughs) You know what? Your favorite football team might lose. You might be disappointed. You know, I mean, really, this is how subtle these things can work. I mean, disappointment can get in there and create an offense uh, before you ever know it. But anyway, he said, it's impossible that no offense should come, but woe through who they come. So, you know, one of the greatest things to do is guard your heart that you don't disappoint others because of what's happened in your own life. And he goes on and said, be better if a a milestone were hung around your neck than you cause an offense. But here in verse 6, it said, uh, the apostle said to him, uh, asked him, well, excuse me, the, 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 the apostles um, came to him and said, increase our faith after he said this. And he said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted into the sea, and it would obey you. Or you can say to this disappointment, get behind me. And guess what it has to do? It has to get behind you. Once you get the disappointments behind you, guess what you can look forward to? Your God-given appointments. Isn't that wonderful? And then he goes and he said, which one of you having a servant, say servant, servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he comes in from the field, come at once and sit down and eat. But we would not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself, serve me, until I've eaten and and drink, and afterwards you will eat and drink. Does he even thank that servant because he uh, he did these things? You know, some disappointments come in our lives because we don't get a thank you for what we've done. But we have to ask ourselves, are we doing it as unto the Lord, or are we doing it for recognition? If we're doing it for recognition, we can't ever get enough recognition. Because man doesn't have the ability to validate you as, as much as God has the ability to validate you. I'd rather have God's validation any day because God's validation empowers me to fulfill the purpose and plans that he has for my life. Man's validation is good, but it doesn't empower me. What did the validation that God do for Peter, what did it do for him? It empowered him. 
to fulfill God's plans for his life. So God's plans, God's validation, validate me, man's plans, you know, they validate me, or man's compliments, I, may, I should say, validate me, but God's validation goes a lot further than man's validation. And then he goes on, he says, does he thank him? He said, no, I don't think so. He says, so likewise, when you've done all those things which you're commanded, say we are unprofitable servants, we've done what was our duty. Now, it took me a while to understand this because we know God wants to prosper us. So how can we say we're unprofitable servants? In other words, he's saying, we're not doing this to advance us. See, whenever you do something to advance yourself and it doesn't work out, you're what? Disappointed. But if you do it to advance the kingdom of God or the love of God, you know what? You'll never be disappointed. Go with me to Hebrews 10. I thought this was so interesting. Pastor Vicky alluded to it by having us saying, we are not those who draw back. Starting here in Hebrews 10, starting in verse 35, he said, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has such a great reward. Don't cast away your confidence. Don't cast away what you know what is right. Don't get so disappointed that you go, what? I don't care anymore. I'm not going to walk in love. I don't care anymore. I'm not going to bless people. I don't care anymore. I'm not going to give anymore. I'm not, I don't care. Don't cast away your confidence. What, call, what does disappointments want to cause us to do? Cast away our confidence. Don't cast away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God. Let's look at that one more time. When? After you've done the will of God. When? After you've done the will of God. You may receive the promise. When are we going to receive the promise? After we've done the will of God. How soon after we've done the will of God? I don't know. But I do know that the word says, after I've done the will of God, I'm going to receive the promises. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. You know what? That's telling me, that means that, you know, if I really have faith in God after I've done the will of God, that God's promises are going to manifest in my life. I'm here to tell you I'm doing the will of God. I'm here to tell you God's going to do some great things. I'm here to tell you that there's going to be some greater things. There's going to be some divine reversals. There's going to be some maximum returns on your harvest. There's going to be some just supernatural increase, supernatural divine appointments. There's going to be just, you're going to be so baptized in the favor of God, you're going to feel like you can't do anything wrong. I'm here to tell you there, there, there are going to be some things that are going to just, just be outstanding in your life. Because God's doing something, amen? And so the just shall live by that. By what? What God's saying. What is God saying? God's saying, forget the former things, nor consider the things of old. For behold, I shall do a new thing. Shall you not know? God's been saying in this house, I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to do something that's never been done before for you. It's going to be a new thing. Shall you not know it? What will disappointments do? Disappointments will blind you from the new thing that God's doing. That's why it's so important we rise up and say, disappointment, get behind me. I'm going to fulfill. I'm going to walk in. I'm going to experience all of God's divine appointments for my life. And all God's people said, Amen. hallelujah. That's the plan of God for your life. But you've got to forget the former things, nor consider the things of old. You know, when, when God spoke that to, to Isaiah, what he was really saying was after the children had gone through the ex, uh, 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 being uh, 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 captive uh, uh, and in bondage to the Babylonian Empire, when I bring you back out, you're going to have to. God's bringing the church back to the forefront, ladies and gentlemen. 
We're going to be the one that set the standards. We're going to be the one that the people come in for help because they're not going to be able to get the help from the government like they think they are. They're not going to be able to get help from other people. Their help comes from the Lord for the Word of God says, I lift my eyes unto the hills. From whence comes my help. Glory to God. There's a shifting going on. There's a transfer of wealth that's going on. And we're going to be the standard to this world because that's God's plan for our lives. And we can't let any man, and we can't let any devil, and we can't let any government disappoint us. We need to keep our eyes on the Lord for the just shall live by faith. And I'm living by the faith that what God says is going to come to pass. Glory to God. Am I preaching okay this morning? But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Okay, so let me explain that to you. All right? I want to bless my children. Man, I want to bless my children. I want to bless you. I want to bless, you know, I want to bless people. But when people draw back and they don't want my blessing, that just, oh, kind of hurts. I don't have any pleasure in that. And that's what God's saying. He said, you know, I don't have any pleasure when you fall, when you draw back from uh, what I want to do for your life. That's why he wants us to overcome disappointments, because disappointments will cause us to draw back. He doesn't want us to draw back. He wants to continue to bless us. But praise God, somebody had us confess today, we are not of those who draw back. Amen? I believe that. We are not of those who draw back, but we are not of those, verse 39, of those who draw back to perdition, but to those who believe to the saving of the soul. The Lord saying in Isaiah to us, Isaiah 43, 18, forget the former things, nor consider the things of old, for behold, I do a new thing. I do a new thing. Shall you not know it? In fact, one translation says, it's already in motion. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The other day I was praying, and I heard the Lord say, you released a sound in heaven that has released the host of heaven to fulfill the plans and purposes for your life. It's in motion for me, folks. I don't know what it looks like, but you know what? My eyes are open. My ears are open. And there's no disappointment that's stopping me from receiving God's divine appointment for my life. Glory to God. So God's doing a new thing. This is the word he gave me. God's doing a new thing. It won't be like before. It will be new. We have opened our hearts and our minds to this new things. We will see the favor of God come to pass. It will be God's favor that will make a way when there seems to be no way. Rejoice and be glad, knowing that the new thing is in motion. For those who are looking for it will be a part of it. How many of you received that from the Lord today? Amen. You're going to be a part of that new thing that God has for your life. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.